Greetings family and God bless you. I have taken a break for a while and did not do any recordings because I felt it was necessary to wait on God um, and to begin to understand uh, the rest of the journey. It is definitely a brand new season. Once again we are in transition and this time a very major transition. So it is not even about planning. It is, it is simply about hearing the voice of God. I believe that in this season, um, we have to be led entirely and completely by the Spirit of God. To an extent, in the, in the years and days gone by, we would gladly plan many things. And it's good to plan because planning helps us to walk with excellence. It's good to have a vision and to work in accordance with the vision. However, I'm so convinced that God is allowing us to walk spontaneously in this season. And that would show that we are totally dependent on Him for how He leads us. Oftentimes, we find, well, I'm finding that it is not even about how I prepare a sermon or anything like that. It is just speaking spontaneously as the Spirit would lead from the storehouse and the resource of the Word that God has already installed in my heart in the years gone by. And that doesn't mean that I will not study the Word, but it means that um, God wants to speak and uh, we do not want to interfere with what God is saying. You will find that in the book of Matthew 24 when the Lord speaks about the last days and the days of tribulation and great challenges and trial and the word of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world as a witness unto every nation. He talks about some of you will have to stand before leaders, some of you will be taken to court. Don't even plan and prepare what you're going to say because your heavenly father will speak through you. Now in the days gone by during uh, the lockdown period for the past seven months, um, we looked very carefully at um, our hearts as being the Ark of the Covenant and we looked at how the presence of God needs to completely fill our hearts. In other words, you know, the heart uh, um, is, is, is the perfect heart is not just a heart after God's own heart. The perfect heart is the issue of life. The perfect heart is a river or a fountain of living water. The perfect heart is also the throne of God, the Zion of God, the mountain of God, the position and place of prevailing and overcoming, and the seat of perfect love. And perfect love is not a thing but God. So we have to come to a place eventually to understand that if God is dwelling within us, then we have to allow God to speak and we have to allow God to lead and we have to allow God to make the decisions. If we still make the decisions for our own lives, it means God is not on the throne. And this is where we really are at the moment. So in understanding the season, I'm convinced in my heart that um, it is time to manifest the kingdom of God. Now, we personally at Eastgate Family Church have spent 18 years studying the word of the kingdom, but more particularly, how to discover the kingdom within. 
how to discover that the kingdom of God is actually resident in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we've done that, it is time now to manifest the kingdom. If we will, if we're going to be afraid or shy or hesitant or lacking confidence and boldness in manifesting the kingdom, then of what use would it be if the kingdom is installed within us? Because the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, the presence of the king within us was not just for personal value and for personal gain or personal elevation. And that's why even in this season, we have to realize we can be in hiding because we protecting ourselves but we have to ask what is the commission for the rest of the world how is god viewing all things in the earth and are we ready to start to manifest the kingdom now in st- in looking at the word the ark of the covenant and the position of the ark there was a time in 1 Samuel 6:1 where the ark of the lord was in the country of the philistines for 7 months It's amazing but we've had full 7 months of lockdown and the ark was captured and uh, we know that while the ark was in the camp of the Philistines um their god Dagon kept falling and we know that the hands were broken the legs were broken and finally they picked it up again and Dagon fell again and the head was broken and after the 7 months they wanted to get rid of the ark as much as the israelites wanted the ark captured again and uh, we know that um, the word philistine means immigrant and uh, we know that the ark also the meaning of the ark really is is a strange word it's a chest but it also means a coffin and our hearts have been like coffins dead men's bones hurts pain, struggles, rejection, unforgiveness, but also fear. That's another aspect that can trap the heart and keep the heart enclosed. And the time has come now for the heart to be free, and the only way the heart can be free is through perfect love. And we realize that um, it is a season of great challenge. Now, one of the greatest challenges we are facing presently and we know that it is not just a localized or a national issue but we are actually facing a very global issue and this global issue is going to determine whether we have actually entered into the perfect love of god or whether we are still living the way adam did in fear because you see adam feared and he said to god you know i didn't want to come into your presence i hid because i feared that i'm naked but the time has come the bible says in 1 john chapter 4 and verse 16 to 18 uh, the bible talks about how we need to be conscious of and understand by experience uh, and knowledge the love that god cherishes for us and that god is love and that if we remain and continue in love we remain and continue in god and god remains and continues in us but the bible also says that we will have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment 
to face God because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, Adam couldn't face God. He hid. And he knew that he couldn't face God because he, he feared. And he knew that he feared because not everything in his life was correct. Um, and so when he feared, he hid. Now, this is not a day for us to be fearing and it is not a day to be hiding. The Bible is clear that because of perfect love, we have confidence and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. So I want to say that uh, it's going to be a great challenge. As a matter of fact, I think the challenge here is the love challenge. Uh, we are being challenged as to whether we really understand God's love for us because the love of God tells us clearly that there's nothing that can separate us from God. It will not be trial, peril, nakedness, sword. Um, it will not be depth or height or length or breadth, not principalities or powers, nor things to come, nor things that have been, uh, nor angels, nor death, nor life. These things cannot separate us from the love of God. And if we understand the love of God, then the one thing we know that God loves us so much that if anyone or anything touches us, they touch the apple of his eye. And the promise is not even a hair on our head will be numbered. So it is a love test. We either know that God really loves us and we're experiencing that love, or we have not reached the place of mature love. In other words, we don't even understand God's love, let alone um, us um, exuding or manifesting this love. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. See, we are part of a household. And if the household stands together, strong, there's nothing that will destroy the household. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for the habitation of God through the Spirit. So this building process is very important. It is critical in the season that the body of Christ, which is the temple of God, that carries the fullness of God through his Spirit, needs to now manifest. We can never walk in victory if we are alone, making decisions on our own. We will not be able to walk in this victory if we're alienated or we separated or we are, we are strangers. Now, we know that there is such an amazing significance about seven. Seven is completion, seven is perfection, seven is the full journey the Israelites had to walk in regard to celebrating the three feasts which are broken up into seven. God gave us seven days and there are seven spirits of God or seven radiations of the Spirit of God. Uh, so the next phase of our journey, which is going to be the manifestation of the kingdom. Now, we cannot manifest the kingdom if the kingdom principles and the king who rules in the kingdom is actually resident in us. We will never be able to manifest the kingdom. 
And if we're still afraid, it means the king is not resident in us. And that is really the truth, the bottom line. We have to cut it fine and be honest about these things. Otherwise, we have not understood the word of God. So we know that uh, um, we have shifted now uh, from understanding the sevenfold spirit to the place of manifesting sonship, to the place of now revealing the Father, the fullness of the Father within. And this is important for us because in the season, the earth has got to see the Father. Uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew 13, 43, they that are wise will shine like the sun in the kingdom of my Father. Romans 14, 17 tells us clearly that the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So today I want to share perhaps one aspect of the manifestation of the kingdom. How will the kingdom be manifest? And I think we have to get a few uh, very critical issues in order before we can actually start to manifest the kingdom. And the first would be the will of God, very important. We are shifting now from a pre-planned, organized um, way of doing things to a spontaneous Holy Spirit-led way of manifesting the kingdom. Um, When the Lord Jesus Christ walked the road on his journey, There were many spontaneous things that happened. He didn't deliberately go looking for somebody who was demon-possessed or blind. Uh, There were many spontaneous things that happened. And these spontaneous things he immediately understood were opportune moments for him to manifest the kingdom. So, um, to an extent, church became a bit of a religious order because of how well organized we were. And I do believe that we ought to walk with excellence, absolute excellence. But at the same time, we can't be so organized uh, that we don't hear the voice of the Spirit. We must be willing immediately to hear the voice of the Spirit and to act upon the voice of the Spirit. So the first is we have to align ourselves to the will of God. And this is very important. So Matthew 5 20 tells us, I tell you, unless your righteousness, your uprightness and your right standing with God is more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So it is very clear that this kingdom has to do with a righteousness that supersedes even the righteousness of the Pharisees and the leaders in the days when they were so organized in their rituals and their temple worship and uh, the synagogue worship that they didn't even leave out the minute details of whether it was pouring water or sacrifices or lighting the, the, the candle brass or whatever. These were rituals that they carried out. They were so thorough that they, they, they wouldn't break a tiny tittle of the law that God had given them. And yet the Bible says, your righteousness must supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees. And um, so we can see that this righteousness has, has a lot to do with the will of God. And it is more than just a religious order. 
So there will be many changes taking place. And some of you who haven't been in church for a while, when you get back, you're going to find that there's a lot of changes taking place. Uh, God will, will, will re-look at, uh, at leadership in the kingdom. God will, some children would be included in leadership because the kingdom is, is it also includes children. There will be many differences and we're going to have to adapt ourselves to what God is doing. So when I say that we are going through the love test, uh, this test is going to be a test as to whether we really understand the love of God. Love is not a nice thing. Love is not a good action. Love is not a good feeling. Love is an act of the will of a person to submit to another. Now when God showed us his love, God literally came in the form of humanity and died for us. That was his love. See, so love is not about being nice. Love is about the act of God. Love is about the will of God. And that's something we're going to have to understand. So if we truly love God, the Bible says, uh, the only way we can walk with the love of God and the love for God would be if we keep his word in its entirety. We can't have 90% of the word and then struggle with 10 or 99 and struggle with one. We're going to have to walk the whole word and that's not going to be easy, but we're going to have to step out by faith and walk the whole journey. So if you look at how the Lord taught the disciples, for instance, he said, you've heard that it was said uh, by men of old, Matthew 5, 21, you shall not kill. Whoever kills is going to be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. But I say to you, anyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice, enmity of heart against him shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court and whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable and will be unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin but whoever says you cursed fool you empty-headed idiot shall be liable to and unable to escape hell the hell of fire so if you bring your gift to the altar don't even bother to leave your gift there 23 says when you remember your brother has a grievance against you, leave your gift at the altar, go and make peace with your brother, then you come back and present your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. While you are on the way traveling with him, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put into prison. Now this is not a literal, natural thing. God is talking about the ability to forgive. You know, I was looking at it and I realized that mercy is unconditional, love is unconditional, grace is unconditional, goodness is unconditional, but forgiveness is conditional. Because if you do not forgive, the Bible says clearly, you will not be forgiven. And you're going to find that in Mark 11, Mark 11, 24 and 25. If you do not forgive your brother, you are not forgiven. It means if you cannot forgive somebody, you are not saved. You are outside of salvation. And that's quite a dangerous place to be in because if you do not forgive, forgive, then God has not forgiven you. So one of the first things we're going to have to do is align ourselves to the will of God in the season. In other words, we cannot make a decision. We cannot so plan ourselves so well uh, that we actually remove God from 
the planning. We're going to be led by this planning. And clearly the Bible is saying to us that your righteousness is going to have to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees because they they perfected the rituals. And yet you are called to go above that. So what is above that? It is even if you think in your heart, anger against your brother, you are in danger of judgment. So you can see that the standard is so much higher. But I will leave you with that. We'll continue with the will of God to understand the will of God as we go along. Because if we don't understand the will of God, the manifestation of the kingdom will not Uh, be accurate. So God bless you until we speak again. Greetings family and God bless you. We are busy talking about the manifestation of the kingdom of God and um, with great relevance to the manifestation of the kingdom is understanding the will of God. You see we can do the best of things but if these things are not part of the will of God then we are failures. Uh, And we find that in Matthew 7 21 when the Lord um, shared with the disciples and others nearby and he said um, many will come in that day and say Lord Lord I have cast out demons in your name I've preached in your name and I've done all good works in your name and he says but I don't know you and then he goes on to say only he who does the will of my father in heaven is the one that I will concentrate on I'm just paraphrasing that And unless you do the will of my Father in heaven, you cannot tell God I've done so many good works and I really expect to walk in a blessing. So none of the good works that we do are going to promote us. Only the will of God. And unfortunately, even some very good children of God can fail God in um, understanding and executing the will of God. So let's look at a few examples of the will of God. 1 John 2.17 says, The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God will abide forever. See, we, are, we will abide forever if we're walking in the will of God. Even the earth, as beautiful as it is, the world, the system, and whatever else we see can pass away. But the will of God. Now we have to understand what is the will of God. The will of God is that we should be ministers of reconciliation in the earth, allowing God to make his appeal as it were through us to reconcile the world back to him. So we are not called to hate people or be angry with them. We cannot be unforgiving towards people. It doesn't matter who's hurt us. It doesn't matter who's pierced us. It doesn't matter who's betrayed us. The Lord was betrayed, tried, denied, yet he forgave on the cross. So the will of God is that we should forgive and the will of God is that we should recover the lost for the kingdom. If we don't understand these things, we will never manifest the kingdom. 
The will of God is that we should lay ourselves down first as a first fruit for the people and not um, think about our own selves and our own salvation and our own protection and our own healing. God gave himself to the world and we're also called in the same way to manifest the kingdom by understanding the will of God. Hebrews 10.36 says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You see, it is in keeping the will of God that you walk into the promises of God. If we do not walk in the will of God, we can be doing a thousand wonderful things, amazing things. But if we are not walking in the will of God, we will fail God hopelessly. And the promises become a reality for those who understand the will of God and keep it. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. If there's anything in my heart right now in this time and season, it is that I pray that everyone who listens to these messages will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God that you will not cringe with fear and you will not fail God for what he's asking or for what God requires of us um, because it is clear that we need to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God not just a portion of the will but in all the will of God therefore we're going to have to understand what is all the will of God Ephesians 6.6 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So here again, we don't have to be watched. We don't have to be followed. We don't have to please men. We don't have to do things that will um, cause us to be received of men or cause us to be acclaimed by men or cause us to be congratulated or lifted up by men but we do it from the heart we keep the will of God from our hearts and therefore we cannot be perturbed in the season by the behavior of people who do not want to serve God we're gonna have to hear God clearly and go ahead to become that body on the earth through whom God manifests his will so let's make sure that the will of God is kept from the heart. We don't do it just to please anyone, but we do it with a genuineness from the heart. Mark 3.35 tells us, Whoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. So you see, the family of God is going to be defined not by church membership. The family of God is not going to be defined by whether you're a part of that congregation. The family of God is going to be defined by whether you keep the will of God. So the one who keeps the will of God becomes the brother and sister and mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is family, the one who keeps the will of God. Now, you will find that the body of Christ is present throughout the earth. In villages and islands and tiny towns and 
all over the earth, in every town, in every city, of every tribe, of every language and people group, of every nation. And such a company might not be seen geographically in one location. Even if we try to meet and we come together in a location, that will still not define us as the family of God. What defines us as a family of God will be everyone, even if we don't see somebody physically, face to face, everyone who follows the will of God. That is most important. John 4.34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what the Lord was saying, actually, the will of God has become his food. It's so important that his food is not first. So I want to say to us today, how important is it going to be for us to align ourselves to the will of God rather than watch over for our own backs and our own comforts, rather than watch for our own desires and our own dreams, rather than watch for our own accolades and our own um, plans and purposes, the will of God must become our food. Now, the reason I'm teaching on this is because I've come to realize if this aspect is not established, we will not enter the next level of manifesting the kingdom because we'll manifest our own kingdom. And you remember how Peter, James, John, the rest of the disciples were walking and some of the disciples said, Lord, let's call fire to come over Jerusalem and burn it because they don't want to receive you. And immediately the Lord said, you don't know what spirit you have inside of you. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy, but the Son of Man came to save and to recover. So you see, if we do not align ourselves to the will of God accurately, we too can become destroyers. We too can hate people. We too can be angry and run people down. We too can accuse people falsely. We too can betray the people of God. And unfortunately, then you will see clearly who's walking with the nature of God and who's walking with the nature of the enemy. So the will of God is absolutely important. Uh, I, I want to um, continue with the next part which is the true mandate. What is a true mandate? Because leading from the will of God, we have to understand um, what is a true mandate that God has given to us? Is it to be part of a church that I found the right church now? And you know, I uh, am so happy that I'm in the right church. Will it be to be a part of the apostolic, which is part of the journey, of course, it's necessary because the apostolic is about the design called Christ. Um, would it be that I'm saved now for 20 years and I'm finally a leader? Uh, would it be that I so wanted to be a pastor of a church and I'm so excited I am? Will that be the true mandate? We have to ask ourselves. We've got to define the true mandate and find out what does God say about the true mandate? Because linked to the will of God will be the true mandate. The true mandate is about the creation with human life being a priority because human beings are created in the image of God and human beings are the crown creation of the whole of creation. Now human life carries the very breath of God. 
a facet of his life. You remember in Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says, And God made man out of the dust of the earth, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So every man, it doesn't matter or which religious order he belongs to, or what color he is, or which nation he is in, or whether he's poor or rich, or male or female, or bond or free, or Jew or Gentile, every human being carries the breath of God. And in this season, the breath of mankind was affected quite severely. Um, And God is showing us that there must come an acknowledgement in the earth by humanity that we are all carrying the breath of God. In other words, if God should take his breath away, we will not live. We are just like puppets made from the earth, made from clay. Um, The only thing that keeps us alive is the breath of God. Of course, for us who have come to the Lord now in this season and have given ourselves to the Lord and are born again, we are filled with the Spirit of God. And that's another experience. But every human being carries the breath of God. In other words, he's alive because of the breath. Uh, To God, humanity is so precious that you can't put a price to human life. Now, in recent years, one of the biggest atrocities in the world has been the trafficking of human beings. Trafficking for sexual pleasure or trafficking for human organs. But whatever it is, the real motive behind it is money. That if you would sell somebody for pleasure, you earn a lot of money and in fact a very big amount has been placed for trafficking human beings per person um, so let's read what the bible tells us in psalms 49 6 to 10 they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to god a ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceases forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption, for he sees the wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. So what the scripture is saying is you can't put an amount for a human being because his soul is so precious. His soul carries the breath of God. He became a living soul because of breath of because of the breath of God. And um, you can't sell a human being and put a price to a human being and this is what has happened in the earth today not only are traffickers guilty of selling human beings but we find that even among the children of god one can place money above human life and when that happens we have to question ourselves as to whether we understand the will of God and whether we understand the true mandate that God has given to the sons of God. Because it's strange, but you'll find that people will go to work because they earn a salary. But to spend time with somebody who needs your help is quite an effort because it's for free. But what God is saying is human life is so much more precious and so much so important it supersedes finances now when we get the will of god right and we understand this 
you will find that God will take care of you. Financially, you will not have to struggle. When you can place, uh, when you do not place a financial uh, amount for a human being or place money above human life. Hebrews 11, 9-10 says, By faith, Abraham sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. He dwelt in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So you can see Abraham understood something that was far more precious than uh, meets the eye. He knew that there was a building that's going to come up someday and this building or this city is going to be, the foundations will be laid by God whose builder and maker is God. It will have real foundations and you and I know that that city is shown to us in the book of Revelation chapter 21 and 22. We see the city. The foundations are actually laid with precious stones. All of the precious stones are named sapphire and amethyst and chrysolite and chrysophorus and emerald and so on and so on. There are 12 precious stones. But the names of these 12 precious stones are the 12 apostles of God. So in other words, a city is not a city made with brick and mortar and stone, but this city was built with human life. And the gates, of course, in the wall of the city were 12 pearls. They looked like 12 pearls, but they were named after the 12 tribes of Israel. So we know the city is built up with human life. In other words, this is, this is a living city. This is a heavenly city. A city and a temple and a building that is made of human life. And God inhabits this city. This is actually a corporate body, a corporate temple, a corporate city, a corporate building, but a building that is not made with men's hands. The builder and the maker is God. And Abraham understood and he looked for this. He waited for the day when he could see a city like this. So you see already, there's so much emphasis given to uh, human life. Hebrews 9, 1 to 12 tells us, Then verily the first covenant also had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. There was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was a candle stand, table, showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after that, the second, after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was a golden pot and the manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it the cherubims and the glory that was shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot speak particularly. This is the writer of Hebrews saying, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, the signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect 
as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meat and drink and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and a perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And this is very important because the time of reformation is showing that while there might have been a literal natural temple built with men's hands and while we keep looking at that and still think about the natural temple the natural church the natural building the institution we will never enter into the dimension of understanding the true tabernacle that god built and not men or the true tabernacle that consists of human life and each one of us who are called to be part of this tabernacle must bring our portion to this tabernacle because it's a living temple and this is a temple that God occupies now while some of us probably um, individually have grown in God and have shifted in leaps and bounds into a place of excellence and precision and clarity uh, there has to be a corporate temple this is not an individual activity and you can see clearly that Christ is the high priest from within this temple which is not made with men's hands but it is a corporate living temple so here's the mandate the mandate is that we cannot live in isolation and still be a part of the temple the living temple of God so we've shifted now in this reformation in this transition into understanding a living temple in understanding that human life is highly valuable to God no money can buy this human life in understanding that unless we are part of this corporate temple we will not manifest the glory of God so this is the will of God the will of God is that there will be as i read for you in Ephesians earlier on uh, how this temple grows um how this we are no more strangers and foreigners but that we are part of the household of god and how we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets jesus being the chief cornerstone and how this building starts to grow fitly framed together as a holy temple so if we are not part of this fitly framed temple then we're actually outside the temple we've missed the mark In other words, we have never understood the mandate of God because the mandate of God according to his will the true mandate is to be a part of this living temple, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city of God. For this heavenly city becomes the kingdom of God on the face of the earth. So I'm going to stop there and we'll continue again the next time. Uh, further in preparation for the manifestation of the kingdom